And I think, generally speaking, my dreams have gone from Salvador Dali to Hieronymus Bosch. Whimsical floppy giraffe to full-on mouse demon. I'm definitely aware of waking almost every day with some quite vivid sensation, vivid image as much as anything. You know, fragments, bits of images that kind of stick. And I think the stickiness of those fragments feels like it's increased during the pandemic. You wake with a a kind of penumbra of the last night's sleep and the last night's dream kind of imprinted in your consciousness. Maybe in a way that I mightn't have been as aware of or mightn't have felt as, as strong as it does now. I've been on night shift. I was on night shift last week. But if it's your third or fourth night shift in a row, you like lost the will to live by five in the morning. I was dozing off, and I had, you know, there's like one of those like dozy dreams. The nights, like in hospital, can be quite cinematic because the lights are always crap, and it's you and the patient in this eerie ward where there's like you know tumbleweeds going down the corridor and stuff. I sat down in the patient. I was like, there's something in my ear. Oh, we've got octopus here. Just take it out. I like removed an octopus from her ear, just like slowly. Oh, don't worry, there's quite a lot of it. And it's like three times the size of your head. That's fine. We had this like wave, kind of quite creamy, like quite gelatinous beast just emerged out of her ear and it was like the exact same layer of the actual word and so you like wake up and you're like okay don't write that in the notes because that didn't happen removed octopus (laughs) sterile procedures in use (laughs) I got the coronavirus in March of last year It took me out of action for over a month. And whilst I was ill with it, I did need to sleep about 20 hours a day. I slept an odd sleep. The vast majority of my dreams were about just my kind of corporeal existence on one level or another and physical sensations. Your taste is replaced by one taste, which you experience all the time. So everything tastes of that one thing regardless. And whether you're eating something or drinking something or not, you have this taste and it is a metallic taste, a nauseating taste. It just felt like it was everywhere because it was so constant and I would lie in bed tasting it, falling asleep tasting it and then my dreams felt like there was something in my mouth, in my system that was really creating this disgusting taste. So a lot of my dreams were about having something awful in my mouth, like, you know, rotting flesh or something terrible. Knowing as well that you have this illness, the speculation as to how it started, because this is back in March, we were having all kinds of speculative conversations in terms of, you know, the average member of the public. I did have a lot of dreams that I was turning into a bat. 
is that dimension to the coronavirus origin. Almost as if, almost as if I had ingested a bat or swallowed one. You know, like those things they tell you when you're a kid, you eat your watermelon seed and then it'll just start to grow within you, start growing out your mouth. It was like that. It was like I was, I was going to turn into something from the inside out because I was so aware of this awful taste, like I had ingested something. And then there were a lot of people involved in this vampire situation. We all seemed to be in what I think might have been some sort of big youth hostel dorm room with with big bunk beds. This youth hostel was also possibly, some of it was also a vampire castle. I remember looking at the vampire's son and thinking he must be about 500 years old, but he's disguised himself as a very, very, very boring 21st century misogynist bloke with terrible shoes. <laughs> There's a little girl who's friends with my eldest son who was there. And she was being quite cheeky to the vampires. And I was kind of admiring that, but also thinking, I think I probably need to keep her away from these vampires. They, they weren't immediately terrifying vampires, but there was something going on. This is probably a bit pandemic now I think about it, isn't it? <laughs> My favourite tree is the baobab tree. Growing up, it was very present in a lot of stories. And also its its size. It's just this huge, immense, uh, incredible tree that is so full of of life and, and time. was in my house in Edinburgh and then I noticed that there was a branch outside the window and it was this baobab tree and then suddenly there was no window and then there was no house around me. I was just by the tree. I was in the middle of this space. Like a forest, but maybe not because the trees were too far apart and this baobab tree was on its own. And then I noticed there was this tiny little uh, seedling right by the, the base of this baobab tree. And because I felt that there weren't enough trees around, I took care of it and I watered it. And then suddenly this little seedling began to grow bigger and it began to um, kind of wrap itself around the baobab. It was getting taller and taller, and this baobab was a huge tree, but this other seedling that I had watered began to kind of crush it almost. It was as if I could hear the sounds of this uh, baobab tree being crushed and squeezed. And then I was trying to sort of tear this other tree off it to give it space and allow it to breathe or to live again. And as I was trying to sort of tear it off, my, my fingers were, they were bleeding and I was putting scratch marks onto, onto the baobab as I was trying to sort of prise this other tree off um, and there was nothing that I could do about it. I think that's just when it ended, there was no resolution to it. And maybe I think the panic really made me remember it. 
when you have a dream that hasn't resolved or you've had a dream that's brought up characters from your life that you've got unresolved issues with or kind of questions over, that will definitely overhang into the next day, feeding into the kind of wider sense of unease that happens when you're a year into a pandemic. I dreamt there was an evil presence in the room with me, a demon or something had come into the bedroom. And I was lying in my actual bed. So it was coming through the door. It wasn't a, a you know, fully formed figure. And it came into the bedroom and it put its arms or its hands on either side of me and pinned me to the bed. Pinned me down to the bed. I was absolutely terrified. And it was going to do something awful to me. You know, that way I was forcing my neck to stretch because my arms were pinned and I woke up shouting and I was really frightened by that dream it was horrible for what it's worth Cathy that really reminds me of uh, episodes of sleep paralysis that I have experienced really? you'll maybe hear it in time but Isabel described something incredibly similar as well sleep paralysis if folk don't know is Essentially, when your brain has managed to wake up, but your entire body is still asleep. So you are aware of your surroundings, yourself, your real actual reality in the bed you're in, in the actual room you're in, but you cannot speak or move. And so it feels as if you're locked into your body. It is one of the oddest sleep phenomena I've ever, ever experienced. One of the things that tends to characterise sleep paralysis is there is a sense of a threat in the room. And a defining feature is that a presence comes to your room and either sits on your chest or pins you down in some fashion. Oh my goodness. Yep. <laughs> you get all these kinds of interesting references to it uh, throughout uh, literature and uh, bits of art history. And it's where the historical myth of both the incubus and the succubus come from. So that's a phenomenon that other people have similar uh, manifestations of that experience. And a lot of the time, but not always, but a lot of the time, it can be attributed to stress. Stress can be a kind of a catalyst for that kind of disordered sleep. I think, you know, in the, in the past, in the pre-pandemic era where you'd wake up and you'd be able to go, oh, no, everything's OK. You know, you wake up, you're in your bed, things are OK, go back to sleep. Now you wake up and there's always this sense in your head that everything isn't OK because it's not OK. There is something more to the human spirit that we, we maybe are not aware of because of our menial tasks of getting by, you know, solving problems that, that meet our sort of basic needs. I love this line I heard before that, you know, we're, we're just spiritual beings um, having a human experience. <laughs> Humans are, are not one-dimensional by any means. Dreams give us an, an opportunity for our imagination to just express itself more. So there's something about that that I think is quite important. So nature, being in nature, out of the built-up space, that is very energizing for me. So yeah, that comes a lot in my dreams. Mountains mean a lot to me. 
There's a proverb, a very kind of popular proverb that says, Kukira Goma Upotere. You can't climb a mountain in a straight line. <laughs> you have to negotiate, you have to go backwards sometimes, you have to go up to go down, down to go up. And it's like a metaphor for our journeys, whatever it might be. It might be for the whole life journey or an undertaking that you have. For me particularly, I'm fascinated by the fact that when you're next to the mountain, you can't see it. You have to be a long distance to, to be able to see it. In my mountain dreams, I would say 20% of the time, I'm on them. But most of the time, I am seeing them from a distance. Even though I'm, I'm far away, I can see small detail on the mountain. So sometimes there are some animals walking on there. I had that recently. There was a wildebeest walking. And they generally don't go on mountains, so that's the dream part for me. <laughs> But yeah, I could, I could see the wildebeest sort of their kind of grace, really healthy and walking. And yeah, as I was saying to you, those dreams when I wake up, I feel very energized. Like, yeah, there was something about it that, yeah, I just feel I wake up with a really good energy. I'm definitely aware of waking almost every day with some quite vivid sensation. The move from sleep to consciousness can have various gradations. I often feel it's like a gossamer link almost, a thin diaphanous link when I wake up between my dreaming state and my new waking state. To the extent where I can wake and regret a dream. And within which the echoes, these kind of little fragments of dreams kind of percolate through. My dream has got red pen all over it. And what I'm left with more is a kind of sensation, a sensation of sometimes fear, sometimes interest, sometimes intrigue, sometimes excitement. And that's almost where my dreaming space kind of exists after I've woken. And I feel like that's become more pronounced during the pandemic. And then suddenly you go, oh, I'm awake. Thank you so much for listening to the third and final episode of The Dream Frequencies. Contributors to this episode were, in order of appearance, Mark Thomas, Peter Gagan, Uma Nadaraja, Isabel MacArthur, Kirsten Innes, Mara Menzies, Cathy Ford and Tawona Satoli. The Dream Frequencies is part of the Creative Community Irish Theatre in Scotland series, a Traverse Theatre partnership with the Consulate General of Ireland, Edinburgh. The Traverse is a registered Scottish charity, number SC002368, 
and is funded by Creative Scotland and the City of Edinburgh Council, with additional support from the Scottish Government Performing Arts Venues Relief Fund.